Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And we're in a series calling Get Your Heart Into Shape. And we've been seeing that just as our natural heart receives and releases our lifeblood, pumping it to every part of our body, so the heart of our inner man is designed to receive the life of God from our spirit and to release it into every part of our soul and life. You see, God's life that's already in our reborn spirit must flow out through our heart, as Jesus said. He that believes in me, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. And we are spirit, soul, and body. God is spirit, and he works in us from the inside out. He made our spirit alive, first of all. And his spirit lives in our spirit. And his life now is to flow out of our spirit into our soul and body. And the heart is the deepest part of the soul, directly at the junction with the spirit, at the connection of soul and spirit. We saw that in Hebrews 4.12 that talks about the word of God pierces to the division of soul and spirit. And then it says, discerning the thoughts of the, and the intents of the heart. So the heart is at the division, the connection between soul and spirit. It's designed to receive the life of the spirit and then release it, pump it into our soul and body. So man believes with the heart. He receives the spirit life of God into his heart by believing. And so through faith we can continuously be filled with the spirit receiving that into our heart. And then as through our words and actions, we release that life into our lives. God's spirit life must flow from our spirit out through our heart into every part of our life. And so the condition of our heart determines the flow of God's life in us and through us. We must keep it in good condition or we will not enjoy you know, the flow of God's love and peace and health and blessing and wisdom in our life. And that's why Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. We must guard our heart against wrong attitudes, wrong beliefs, getting in and abiding in our heart, because they will cause us to be hard, cause the heart to be hard so that it can't function and receive and release the life of God. We must deal with blockages in our heart, and that's what this series is all about. These blockages prevent the flow of God's life. We must guard it by filling it with God's word. As Proverbs 4.20 says, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, don't let them depart from your heart, or your, keep them in the midst of your heart, for their life to those who find them, and health to all their flesh, once the heart is right, the life springs can flow to your flesh, to your life. So, so therefore, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. And that's what we're doing. In this series, we're looking at the three main blockages in the heart that stops the flow of God's life. The last two programs, we saw the first blockage of unbelief and the second of unforgiveness. And today, we're going to look at the third blockage. All three of these blockages are revealed in our main text, which is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 to 17. Let's go there now. It, verse 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord, see him working in your life. 
see the life of God flowing through you. Looking carefully, and this is where you have to look to your, into your heart and to check that there aren't any of these blockages there stopping the flow of God's life. And then it shows three blockages, and they're described by three lests in this passage. Verse 15, first of all, says, Lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, of receiving the grace of God. This warns of the first blockage, which is unbelief. This is similar to language used earlier in Hebrews that talks about those who fail to enter into the promised land of blessings of God through unbelief. Grace, you see, is that which is freely offered to us and given to us by God. So to fall short of the grace of God is, is to fail to receive that by faith. Why? Because of a hardened heart that's been made insensitive through unbelief. And then it went, goes to the second blockage in verse 15, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many be defiled. This is the second heart blockage. But now we're going to go on to the third blockage, which is uh, in, in verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator or immoral person or profane. A profane person is someone who does not value spiritual things, who treats them, treats holy things as if they were just ordinary. And he says, this person is immoral and profane, like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. That was his place in the Abrahamic covenant. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, the spiritual blessing, he was rejected for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tear, tears. So this, this is the third blockage, which I'm going to call carnality and immorality. We are warned not to be like Esau. He sold his spiritual birthright for a morsel of food, a plate of meat. He, this is the classic example of carnality. He valued the natural things of the flesh, the things that you can see and feel, much more than the things of God, preferring a temporal gain over eternal joy and rewards. Well, this led him into sexual immorality, and he rejected his spiritual birthright, his inheritance. Let's look at his story, shall we, in Genesis chapter 25, verse 23. And this is when they were being born, Esau and Jacob. The Lord said to Rebekah, two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red, he was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau. Afterward his brother came out and his hand took hold of Esau's heel so that his name was called Jacob. Already Jacob was, was striving to be the main one. Although the one first out the womb, the firstborn, had the privileges, had the authority, had the leadership. But Jacob, as we'll see, there was a, a, a struggle between them. And they were very different in character. It says, so the boys grew. Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man, dwelling in tents. And e Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. 
but Rebekah loved Jacob. So it looked outwardly that Esau, the firstborn, was the strong one, the hunter, and surely he was the one that would rule over the younger Jacob. But God knows the hearts of men, and he told Rebekah the truth, that actually in his heart Esau was the weak one. This weakness would cause him to lose his inheritance as the firstborn, and his weakness was his carnality. Now what does this mean? To be carnal is to be flesh-ruled. He was ruled by the dictates and the needs of his flesh. He valued fleshly things more than spiritual things. And this made him weak, actually, and disqualified him from receiving and possessing the things of God. Verse 29 says, Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. Verse 31, Jacob saw his opportunity. He said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. In other words, sign on the dotted line. I'll give you the food if you will give me your birthright. What an amazing and staggering suggestion. Now the birthright of the firstborn did not just have a great significance as a natural blessing because it, the firstborn had the double blessing of everything, the land, the inheritance. So it had tremendous significance that way. But in this case, it had the added significance of a spiritual nature because part of the inheritance from Father Isaac was the possession of the Abrahamic covenant that God made with Abraham and then confirmed it and was inherited with Isaac. And it was through this covenant that God's kingdom and salvation and redemption would be established on the earth through the Messiah, who was the son of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this would have been rightfully, should have passed to Esau as the firstborn. It should have been Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But Esau blew it by his carnality. And instead, Jacob received all the blessings and the inheritance of the firstborn. Esau lost it because he did not value it. His meal of stew meant more to him than his destiny in God. And so he sold his future for a quick fix. You too have a right and access to all the blessings in the new covenant in Christ. Imagine you were offered a deal where you would give up all your position, your rights, your blessings in the covenant, your eternal spiritual inheritance, blessings and rewards, just in order to get some quick momentary satisfaction for the flesh, like a free meal when you're hungry. No thanks. That was Jacob's offer to Esau. I'll give you the fleeting pleasure, and in return, you give me your birthright, your inheritance, your place in the Abrahamic covenant. What an astounding offer. Should have been a no-brainer. Should have been laughed out of court. Esau, however, was carnal. Jacob knew his brother's weakness. And that's why he, he had a good idea that this would work. He knew that Esau was ruled by the needs and wants of his flesh, put very little value on spiritual things. So just... He just needed to get him at the moment of weakness, which he did. What did Esau respond? Verse 32, and this is the revelation of Esau, his weakness. Look, he said, I'm about to die. So what is the birthright to me? It, it is of no value. See how little he valued his birthright. 
exchanging it for a meal that gave temporary benefit and he lost something of eternal value. All he could think about was his immediate needs. He ignored the consequences that would last forever. He listened to the voice of his flesh and rejected God's word. He valued the th things of the flesh more than the things of God. The momentary pleasure of sin he gained, yes, but he lost the eternal joys of God. See how the flesh lies to you. It told him he was about to die. That's how he felt. I'm about to die. I'd do anything because what's the point if I'm dead? The flesh tries to convince you you can't live without that thing, without that drug, without that person, without that relationship. Your life wouldn't be worth living. It says you must have satisfaction now or you'll die. But the flesh is a liar. It's lying to you. Esau wasn't about to die. He wasn't even close. No, the flesh will demand you give up all your spiritual blessings just to satisfy it. Well, verse 33, Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. He wanted to seal the deal. So he swore to him. He made an oath before God. And he couldn't reverse that. He swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. That's how much he valued his birthright. Yes, Jacob was clever. He was crafty. He seized the moment. He certainly wasn't perfect in this. But the thing about Jacob is he knew the value of spiritual things, which Esau sold, sold it for nothing. And that's why God chose Jacob above his older brother Esau. And so, verse 34, Jacob gave Esau bread and a stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank of rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. He despised spiritual holy things, treating them as if they were just ordinary, of no special value. That's the meaning of profane. Do you value the word of God? Do you value your relationship with God? Do you value your inheritance in Christ? Do you value your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you value your church? Do you value the things of God? Or do you just treat them as of being no account? Esau valued a morsel of food more than his spiritual inheritance. He was willing to give it up. Are you willing to give up your spiritual blessings, your eternal rewards, for a mess of pottage, to indulge in escapes and addictions, in drunkenness, drugs, for an extramarital affair, pornography, for some sex before marriage? Are you, are you willing to do that to, for that quick fix and give up your blessings in God? You know, are you going to be like Esau who lets your flesh rule you? Are you going to believe your flesh when it says you'll die if you don't get that thing? That you can't live without that substance, without a, that addiction? Are you willing to throw away your eternal future and glory just for a quick fix? If you are, that's the weakness of carnality, causing you to despise holy things. Verse 16 we see, again, it warns us, lest there be any fornicator, immoral person, or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. See, his carnality. Putting the flesh first, it was revealed first in him being profane. It, he didn't value spiritual things. His mind was so much on the flesh. And secondly, it results, and it will result eventually, in sexual immorality. That's the, the obvious consequence of that. And then it says that afterwards, 
when he realized the consequences of his actions, though he sought it diligently with tears, he couldn't get his birthright back. He was rejected. He couldn't reverse his decision. And that's a warning to us. Well, you can't have it both ways. If you put the flesh first, you will miss out in the life and the blessings of the Spirit. If you choose to be carnal, then you will miss out on God's blessings and rewards. And sometimes it's irre irreversible. You know, he tried to undo it, but he couldn't. You know, when a minister falls into sexual immorality, he destroys the fruit and the rewards of his ministry. He loses credibility and impact, and people can't trust him anymore as a man of God. You know, his unfaithfulness limits what God can trust him to do now. And even when he repents, it's hard to see that his ministry is, can, is anything like it could have been. Don't be an Esau. Well, if we go to Genesis 27, at the death of uh, Isaac, Esau did get a blessing, but it was far less than what he would have had if he was the firstborn. He couldn't undo the results of his carnality. You might think this is all a bit harsh, just one moment of weakness. But it's important to realize that this was not just a one-off incident. It revealed his whole way of life and thinking and value, that value system. You see, that's why Jacob knew Esau would, would go for this. When someone gets caught with their pants down, you know, it, they will dismiss it. Oh, it was an isolated incident, a moment of weakness. But the truth is that it's more like an iceberg, that what actually was revealed was some, something part of much bigger that was actually hidden underneath. They must have been meditating on it more and more, yielding to the flesh more and more, and then when the opportunity arose, they fell. You don't just sin. It's because you've been secretly sinning in your heart already. Esau was constantly esteeming the flesh higher than his spiritual life, and so he sinned. That sin revealed what was already going on in his heart. You know, the amazing thing is that this was repeated with the firstborn of Jacob, Reuben. Genesis 35:22 says that Reuben was the firstborn son of the 12 sons of Jacob. And it says he went and he lay with Bilhah, his father's woman. And Israel heard about it. Reuben also was carnal. He was the firstborn. And he lost his firstborn blessing as well through the weakness of his carnality. But when Jacob prophesied at the end of his life in Genesis 41, he called his sons together and he said, come and listen what will happen to you in the last days. He says, gather together and listen to your father Israel. And he outlined in a prophecy the destiny of the 12 sons and their tribes. And it was all based on their characters and their choices now. See, your choices now, what you value now, will determine your destiny. And now, see what he says to Reuben. He's mentioned first, because he's the firstborn. Verse 3, Reuben, you are my firstborn. My might and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellence of power. As the firstborn, that was his potential. That was his calling. He was the number one. And you know, the firstborn had three, three aspects of blessing. Number one... He had double portion, the double blessing of land and inheritance. He had double anyone else. Number two, he had the rulership over, his, over the family. And number three, he had the spiritual leadership or the priesthood over the family. Now, what happened to Reuben? 
Verse 4, unstable, he says, as water, weak as water because of his carnality. He says, you will not excel. You will not fulfill your potential. You will be disqualified. Because, why? Because you went up to your father's bed and you defiled it. He went up to my couch. He couldn't help him, himself. He so wanted to, the quick fix that he sinned greatly and uh, in, with an, in an adulterous relationship. And this, the weakness of carnality showed in sexual immorality and that disqualified him from all the blessings of the firstborn. He lost his position that he could have had in the kingdom of God. What happened to his firstborn blessing? Well, God divided it to the, some other sons. Number one, the double portion of the inheritance, that went to Joseph. Because he had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, and they each became a tribe. And so Joseph inherited the double blessing. That's recorded in 1 Chronicles 5.1. It says, now the sons of, daughter, of Reuben, the firstborn, he was indeed the firstborn, but because he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, you see. And so he lost his blessing that way. What about the rulership, the second blessing of the firstborn? That went to Judah, didn't it? And it says in verse 2, yet Judah prevailed over his brothers. The rulership was given to Judah. That's why Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And thirdly, the priesthood, of course, went to Levi, as Numbers 8.18 tells us. Well, praise God, Jesus passed the test, and he became the firstborn among many brethren, Romans 8.29 says. He received the rulership, the lordship overall. He received the high priesthood, and he received the double blessing of the inheritance. Praise God. And so Jesus said, Matthew 20 he's, and 22, he said, many are called, but few are chosen. Few pass the faithfulness test. When you receive a call from God, you have to then prove yourself faithful. And then God in his time will set you apart and release you into that ministry. Acts 13.2, it says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, to, said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have previously called them. You see, first comes the calling and then the separation. In between is a time of proving yourself faithful, of being trained, of character development, so that you're ready to carry that mantle of authority and ministry in such a way that you're not going to do more harm than good. Be careful that you don't fail the test and you're not disqualified by your carnality so that your ministry and crown is divided up and given to others, just like Esau, just like Reuben. You know, when we were at Bible school, there's one of the teachers had a vision of mantles, gowns, or anointings, just sitting around on, the ch on many chairs. Uh, and it was clear that they had not been, they were there for them, but they were not taken up by the students. They weren't even aware of them. The problem, you see, with carnality is it hardens your heart. It makes you spiritually insensitive. It makes you dull. It destroys your spiritual vision. You can't see the things of God and what God's calling you to. And as a result, you can't receive them and enter into them. Just like the story of Elijah and Elisha. You see, Elisha wanted the double portion of the firstborn, the double blessing. He wanted to inherit Elijah's mantle, his ministry. He had to first prove himself faithful 
And Elijah said it was really up to God to decide whether he had passed the test. But the final test that Elijah said is, is whether he saw the mantle falling down from Elijah as he ascended to heaven. Because Elisha faithfully kept close to Elijah and he kept his eyes on him, when Elijah ascended to, in a chariot, the mantle came down and Elisha saw it. That was the key. And therefore he was able to pick it up and to use it. Carnality would have blinded him to it. He wouldn't have seen it. And he wouldn't have been able to receive that ministry. And this is a picture for us. You know, when Jesus ascended on high, his mantle, his anointing came down for us to pick up and use. But only those who stay close to him, who keep their eyes on Jesus, will be able to see that, un that mantle. Those who are minded, flesh-minded, will be dulled and blinded and will not enter in, will not receive the life of God as they ought to. So carnality, valuing natural things above spiritual things, results in immorality, it will harden your heart, it's the worldliness, it's the spirit of this world. The world doesn't value the things of God. It says immorality is okay, but it's not okay. It hardens your heart, it blocks your fellowship with God, it stops you receiving from God. 1 John 1, 2 says, don't love the world and the things in the world. Otherwise, the love of the Father won't be in you. The life of God won't be flowing in you. He talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of, the pride of life is of the world. But all of that's passing away. But God's love, God's things will last forever. The problem in the church world is we, we know God's grace. So we think God doesn't see our sin. We think we can sin and get away with it, we'll be forgiven. But no, it's, it's going to harden our heart. And we won't be able to fellowship with God and enjoy his blessings. You know, we're not saying that the body is evil, no. But there's a sin nature. God created the body, but there's a sin nature. Whenever sin is singular in the Bible, it's talking about the sin nature in the flesh. And if you just yield to your body, to your flesh, and focus on that, the sin nature on your flesh will control you. And that's the problem. And, uh, you know, we must take control over our flesh, over our sin nature. We must take authority over it. We must not let it rule us, but we must rule it. Don't be like Esau, but be like Moses, who valued the things of God far more than the treasures of this world and the pleasures of sin